Barney's doesn't guarantee success. Vogue doesn't guarantee success. What guarantees success is if you actually find an audience that actually loves your product. We've been very slow to change in terms of how technology has impacted our lives. A new social network can pop up overnight and completely change our business model. Hello and welcome to the Glossy Podcast, our weekly show where we discuss fashion, luxury, and technology with the people making change happen. I'm your host, Hillary Milnes, and on today's episode, story founder and Macy's brand experience officer, Rachel Schechtman, discussed the transition into being a Macy's company, how her role extends throughout the rest of the business, and the upcoming story activation. Hope you enjoy it. Rachel. For having me, of course, again, again, you were on the show. We were just saying, I think maybe 2016, we were talked about story, uh, but things have changed since then. Yeah, why don't you take us back to when you were talking to Macy's, how that transition happened, uh, you know, what you kind of saw out of that partnership, and then we can fast forward even to now. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so, um yeah, for well, I guess you know I started Story in 2011, back mm-hmm. before I think there, I don't even know if experiential retail was was a term around then, but um, but anyways, just excited about trying new things and doing things differently and changing a store every one to two months, and then I think after like five years of doing it, I was like, all right, like I flipped the store like. 38, 40 times, right. like, you know, and over time, more and more um, big companies were coming to visit mm-hmm. using us as a living lab and a case study. And I was like, well, they're all looking at what we're doing and going to do things at scale. I want to do things at scale. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I started kind of talking to a, a handful of different partners. And there were a couple of companies I, I kind of almost you know, let's say I was engaged to, but I but I married Macy's. Mm-hmm. And um, I had known Jeff Gannett for two years. Uh, Jeff is the chairman and the CEO of Macy's um, prior to any of this uh, happening. And it, frankly, it wasn't even on my radar, right? Like, he's my friend. Like, I didn't even think about it. Right. And um, yeah, he called me into his office one day and he goes, we'd like to uh, hire you and acquire Story and retails, you know, changing. And um you know, we have these amazing brands and, and this legacy and, and and retail, and I need a co-architect to help think through experience and, mm-hmm. and doing things differently. And right. so it's uh, one year and three weeks that I've been there. Yeah, awesome. So tell us, did, did you always think that it was going to be like an acquisition uh, trajectory for story? Like, were you talking, like thinking about like other retailers or were you even thinking like, okay, who could I work with that, that would this would kind of live on its own on a bigger scale? Because obviously it's the type of store that like, it's not easy to have 20, 100 locations. Yeah. It, it, yeah. So how did, did you all, like any other ways that you thought about scaling it? Yeah, so it's funny. So when I started story, you know, I... Um, you know, I have like ants in my pants, so to speak, in terms of like, oh, he's trying new things. And um, and so when it was 2011 and I was like, you know, thinking through, well, you have all these new business models and consumer behavior in a digital world. Why is no one rethinking this in a physical world? This was pre-war stores or Birchbox or direct-to-consumer brands having retail stores. I mean, acquisition, I didn't even know if the lights would be on six months later. Like, legit. I mean, it was 2011. If you think, like, any, if I, when I told people I was opening up a store, uh-huh. like, they'd give me a one way ticket to an insane asylum. <laughs> and so I was fortunate. I had two friends loan me a little bit of money. And, um, 
what I basically told myself is, uh, you know, I have lots of Rachel theories. And so I thought, well, this could be viable if it's profitable in its first year. And that was kind of, you know, Rachel theory for an audience of Mm -hmm. one. So highly scientific. Um, But, you know, we were profitable after a year. And then it was like, well, now what? I mean, I literally had no idea what I was doing. Um, And so so acquisition in a million years never crossed my mind because Uh I didn't even I'd never you know, there's so much you don't know that's going to happen, right? Exactly. You don't know that everyone's going to say retail's dying. Then you look around the corner and you have Casper and you have all these brands opening up stores. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's it's who knows. But I think um, what's great about this opportunity is we're building a fully integrated team. Um, we have our Chelsea offices on 20th Street that we just expanded mm-hmm. Um, and so being able to kind of have the support and the access and the talent uh, connected to Macy's, but also have autonomy to kind of be agile, um, kind of the idea going into Macy's was, you know, everyone's talking about agility and scale. And I was like, I don't want to talk about it. I just want to do it. And so we opened up 36 on the same day. Yeah. So, yeah, tell us about the brand experience officer role? Like, what does that encompass uh, for for you and Macy's? Yeah. So uh, I'm figuring out as I go. Mm -hmm. It never existed before. So, uh, you know, so it started as, you know, brand experience, and we were uh, launching Story at Macy's. And the way I kind of describe it is, think of brand experience as like a holding company, Mm -hmm. and we launch new businesses. So Story is the first business that we launched. Um, recently when there were some kind of org changes, uh, the market at Macy's, which is retail as a service, um, came into my group. So, and I think there's lots of interesting ways, um, where there's kind of overlap and shared services and things we can do. It's a, it's a fantastic and very successful model. And so how can we support and develop market at Macy's as well as story? And then we have this like third bucket of black ops. Um, so we've recently brought on some senior executives and and working on some under the radar fun new projects. Oh, exciting! Uh, so, but first to talk about. So it had been almost was it like just a year after the acquisition that the first story um, locations in Macy's yeah. went live. Less than a year. Yeah. Less than a year. So how did that like? What was different like what was the same like how did you how did it all come together I feel like it was you know obviously it was brewing for a while and and then there there they were like the 36 locations right. and so you know how did you bring that all together figure out like the right um, theme it was color and sort of push the model into the Macy's location yeah well I think you know not that dissimilar to the early days of story where it was like all over again learning leading and doing at the same time Mm. which you know has its fun days it has its stressful days and uh very real and I think you know our first couple weeks in you know um there was a, a woman from my team we were doing all these onboarding meetings right and in my head I was like you know what are people going to think? Like, oh, this girl has one store. What does she know about scale? What does she know about operations? Um, and the answer is nothing and nothing, right? <laughs> but, like, that's not that's not my expertise, but I do have to have a baseline understanding. Mm-hmm. So we spent the first two months, like, literally meeting with ops and logistics and finance and really, really looking under the hood of the car. And what I realized very quickly is, like, listen, in order to do story at scale, we're going to have to create new processes, you know, just because it's a store that changes so frequently right. and we work with very small businesses and kind of the aha moment, like a couple weeks in was like, wait a minute, like 
if we're already doing this, let's maximize the opportunity and make it a test and learn initiative for the organization. So we would go into meetings and say, hey, we have to reimagine vendor onboarding because we work with non-EDI compliant vendors who we need to pay in 30 days and guarantee no chargebacks. Mm -hmm. So if we need a new system, are there things you've wanted to do that you haven't had an excuse to do or you haven't had the budget to do? And so by doing that, you know, in some cases it was co-authoring strategies. In other cases, it was just people participating um, and and helping us out. Um, It was fun the day before we launched, uh, we took a group photo uh, of of folks who contributed. We counted over 400 and something across the organization who we had some contact with. And we had about nine, and that's across like our offices in Cincinnati and Atlanta and San Francisco. And we had uh, about 98 of them show up for our our group photo the day before. So, um, you know, to me, unless you get under the hood of the car right, like it doesn't matter how sexy the exterior of the car is. Right. Um, And I, you know, color seemed like an appropriate theme because it was versatile. It was engaging. It was springtime. You know, it was getting Mac and Crayola, some great sponsors for it. Mm -hmm. seemed, uh, yeah. So that's, it's interesting to hear how it, kind of almost like spread like tentacles out from from like what you were working on on the surface level towards other ways that the company works I'm sure you know you like these are big operations like like you said there's all these offices you have people working on their separate things and they do you think did you find like a like an environment where people weren't always like looking up and like looking across and saying like oh how can we work together on this and how does this positioning of story like help to bring that some of those silos down? Yeah, I think, you know, there was tremendous openness, more so than like, listen, anyone who knows me knows I have no filter in good ways and bad ways. So I'm not one to say anything I don't mean. And if I had to say there was probably one thing that surprised me more than anything at Macy's is I was shocked at how many people were open. Because keep in mind, I've worked with lots of big companies, right? So we've had, you know, plenty of retailers and, you know, we've worked with GE, American Express, we've worked with Target, we work with Dress Barn, we worked with, you know, Cody and, and lots of different people over the years. And, you know, we're doing things that are either never been done before at an accelerated pace. And so, you know, when peop- when there's the unknown, it doesn't always sit well. And so I was shocked that I'd be in like, you know, I walked into our COO's office and I sat down and I was like, so I'd like to open 60 on the same day. And, he, and I was like, this guy's going to kill me. He's been there over 30 years. And he's like, hmm, all right, ambitious, but I guess we'll figure it out. Right. <laughs> and, you know, we cut it back, but that was my decision and nobody else's because mm-hmm. I was like, wait a minute, Rachel, let's be. Um, but like the store construction team, right? Like we had to figure out a way to completely transform a space, mm-hmm. right? So we changed the floor out. So you walk into a Macy's and you either see like, you know, tiles and carpet. And so we had to dig into all the floors to be able to make it in such a way that we can change flooring every time. And so they had never done that before. But I called it like the yes and campaign versus the yes but campaign. Mm -hmm. And of course, was like everyone like, yay, I want you to drive me crazy and do things last minute that are out of my comfort zone. Of course not. Mm -hmm. Like, that's not lost on me. Um, so so it isn't for everyone and and we are learning and when you're doing things first you know I have no doubt that that there's impact that that I'm not aware of because you know we're human too and we're learning but there's so much positive feedback and what's really cool like my proudest moment was 2 weeks ago 
when I saw an email from one, you know, um, junior colleague at Macy's had emailed someone from our merchandising team and they had gotten pride merchandise on the sales floor, um, purchased and on the floor within 10 days. Um, and it, you know, no one senior, no one was copied on it. I just happened to, to get my hands on it. And the idea that like, one colleague's like, oh, my God, like, I can't. It's so badass that you did this so quickly. Like, you know, make sure Rachel makes noise about this. And, you know, she just told me this story. And I was like, give me that email. I'm showing it everywhere. And so, you know, moments like that give me excitement because that's not about me. It's just about planting the seed. Right. And it's introducing a new way of, of thinking about yeah. what people can do. And so, you know, you talk about this a lot, just the positioning of physical retail, how that's changed. It changed it's already been you know changing a lot since you started story and again even since Macy's acquired story for you and in your conversations uh you know with the team there where do you see it like is there like a bigger picture goal or, or vision for your role and you know the introduction of story into these stores um you know I think like the hardest thing that department stores that are looking to reinvent and rethink how they interact with customers like the, the worst thing that can happen is that things that they try are just kind of like bolt-on initiatives like they're not really digging into the more systematic you know ways of doing things that are kind of right. stuck people are kind of getting stuck in their ways and you know you hear so much like the department store is dead it's sinking and yeah. so one I guess the two questions one what's like the bigger picture goal that you are discussing and working towards and two is it a lot of pressure <laughs> <laughs> sounds like it might be <laughs> um so you know, I'm a weird one to ask about like goals and growth because I got that question all the time with Story when it was just one store in Chelsea. And the question was, I mean, you could find early interviews where I'm like, we're going to have five stores in three years in e-commerce because I, I figured, well, you had to have an answer to that question. And then six, month in, six months into launching Story, I realized there's so much growth that in discovery you can have if it's a totally new frontier in business model, right? So like, you know, but in 2018, when when we transitioned story over to Macy's, I mean, sponsorship for a single story was $600,000. Right. So if it was $400,000 the year before, I grew, and who's to say that wasn't a bigger margin in growth from my sponsorship dollars versus sales if I had a second location? And so I think about growth in very different ways. Um, you know, so to me, I was just so focused on what are sustainable processes that can scale. Because if you can do 36, you could do 300. But to me, like, is 300 the right answer? Is it the right concept? Is it is it more market at Macy's? Like, mm. it's figuring out and, and really understand what works in Bellevue, Washington is very different than what works in Dallas, Texas. Right. And like, you know, I think what can be challenging is people like, you know, media, everyone's like, oh, okay, they acquired story or they, you know, bought this or that. And like, okay, we want to see results in five seconds and stories launch. So it better be in 500 stores. But like, to me, it's just about doing the right thing for the customer and for the business. Right. Mm -hmm. And again, if it's affecting parts of the organization under the hood of the car that affects Macy's at scale in 600 doors versus me opening another 60, mm -hmm. you know, so I know that's not really an answer, but, um, you know, I think we're just excited to see how it performs. The launch was insane. Like, yeah. you know, I would knock on wood if I could find wood in here, but it was <laughs> such an amazing positive response. Um, and to your second question, is it a lot of pressure? Um, 
depending on the day of the week, I would say yes. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, you know, my friends say that I'm a lot less stressed <laughs> um, and and happier, and that's because I don't go to bed worrying about payroll at night. Um, and so I know my employees uh, and colleagues are taken care of. But I think, um, you know, I'm used to being in a small business, and, uh, you know, I'm responsible for a lot of people, and I happen to be in a visual, a visible role, and just because I'm an extrovert doesn't mean <laughs> it uh, comes naturally or that I always, you know, am comfortable. So, right. you know, I think it comes with the territory, and I like to learn, and I couldn't work with, you know, a better team. So that's pretty awesome. Right. We'll be right back. Have you ever wondered what's actually in the perfume that you spritz on every day? That's why I'm so excited to introduce you to Fleur. They make stunning, non-toxic perfumes and list all of their ingredients online. For luxurious perfume that's all about good, clean fun, try Fleur. That's P-H-L-U-R. With Fleur, you can discover each scent on their website through pictures, words, and even playlists. They also offer sample kits so you can see which scent is right for you in your life. Every Fleur scent is gender-free. And the best part, Fleur is a completely transparent fragrance company. They tell you every ingredient in their perfumes and why it's there. Go to Fleur.com slash Glossy today to get 20% off your first custom Fleur sample set. That's P-H-L-U-R dot com slash Glossy. Now back to the episode. Yeah, and, and no, it sounds like to your to other point, it's like it's trying to steer like, you know, really big ship. Like nothing's going to happen overnight. And so, you know, I'd love to hear more about just when you think about like the small wins or they're not small at all, but, you know, the kind of one off like, OK, that launch went really great. Now it's already time. You're in the you're flipping it around again. What did you learn from the first experience that you were able to apply to this one that kind of feels like, you know, OK, we're making progress. Like we were able to put down some of the foundation that allowed us to pull off the first one. And now we can sort of see the effects of that snowballing. Yeah. No, I think it's an interesting question. I think, you know, we're still uh, rapidly hiring. Mm. Um, and so we're still building our, our corporate team. But I think a lot of what we learned, you know, so we have dedicated staff out in the field. So we have, we call our sales staff storytellers. So we have over 290 of them across the country. And so I think, you know, uh, I went to every store before we launched and actually, um stealing some space in your phone booth even mm -hmm. just before here I, I was on a Skype call with Macy's managers so in terms of learning like you know it is really important to me that it's not us and them right we're not a lease space we're not this like story is part of Macy's mm -hmm. yes it's different and it's bringing different things to the table but making sure that even though our structure might be a little different and our staffing might be a little different that you know that teams are connected, so really learning ways to create that partnership. Mm -hmm. um, and I think training, you know, we, we spend a lot of time on training and we do peer-to-peer -peer training um, where colleagues kind of train each other. So I think those are some of the things that, you know, we learned the importance of and we saw different tactics that worked. Uh, a happy surprise was when we launched, like, you know, I knew the story teams were going to, you know, do fun activities and stuff, but we started seeing all these pictures of the entire Macy's store dressing up in colors on on the opening day. So one gave assignments to every store colleague, so they looked like a box of crayons. Another mm -hmm. had every department be a different color. So, um, so how can we take what we're doing in story and further radiate it throughout the store? Mm -hmm. So, how, are, how did you look at the success of the first? iteration of of story were there 
like metrics or because, you know, obviously there's, okay, one, how many sales did it drive? But is it more like the impact that that you could feel, um, you know, in terms of people talking about it and engagement? Um, what was kind of like the, the laundry list of ways that you were like, okay, here's where this really hit it off and where we could do better? Um, you know, how are you constantly rethinking that? Well, funny you should say that because after this, I have a lovely working dinner with mm. eight colleagues talking about KPIs. <laughs> um, but because uh, we're kind of coming up with a new framework and dashboard. So um, I think there's the obvious stuff that someone would assume, right? Like customer acquisition. Um, excuse me. Um, I think there's the, the thing that people would assume, um, you know, like how story brings in new customers is it bringing in a different demographic um are people are existing customers coming in more frequently now that we have story are there radiated sales that once they're in their store they're purchasing elsewhere so there's all of that right but what i'm also really excited about so we did over um i think we did over like 250 events during our first story and we'll do the same for the second one and and really looking at building community at scale and you know kind of understanding that engagement and the impact of that and um and furthermore like i'm always obsessed with like mashing up different formulas from different functions so if you think about marketing departments right there's a cost per acquisition of a new customer there's cost per acquisition for getting a new email address so we started you know collecting emails in store Mm -hmm. um and so i can do the math of we acquired x emails if i were to do advertising to try and get those x emails it would cost y and so what's that math so there's there's other legit math you can do bringing in things beyond sales that have value it's just people you know are very used to you know, certain outputs from specific departments. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the things that we've had fun doing is working cross-functionally across Macy's and internally within our cross-functional story teams to kind of say, you know, how can we leverage this as marketing? How can we leverage creative as merchandising and all these different things? Right. And, uh, you know, it feels like there's so many different, like, a never ending sea of just like possibilities and, and potential outcomes and like, you know, unanticipated effects that, that this could have on the, on the entire organization. Um, but what for you do you think is the, like, what are you looking for the most in terms of just knowing that, okay, this is actually syncing with customers, syncing, you know, driving with customers. Uh, and, you know, how do you see it aligning with the way that people want to shop and want to get out of an experience at a store like Macy's? Yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, I always say that we aim, and I say aim, at story to create experiences that are relevant for men, women, and kids between, like, 5 and 95. Mm-hmm. And when I think about, you know, um, what we all have in common is this scarce resource of time. So if someone's, you know, if a father's spending his Saturday with his 6-year-old daughter, um if he happens to be my target because we're doing his story and we have a hot towel shave station or something, I better have something in the experience for his daughter. Otherwise, I'm not going to get his time because it's their day together. Mm-hmm. And then it also becomes a memory. And, um, you know, so so that's something that I, I think a lot about. You know, what's what's unique about this is there's an educating component. And what I mean about that is 
you know, Macy's is where you go to find what you're looking for, right? I need a dress for an event. I need lipstick. I need this. You go in, you get it, you know, you'll browse around, but you're not walking every floor, every nook and cranny. Right. Stories where you go to find what you're not looking for, unless you're waking up at two in the morning, craving champagne, gummy bears and pizza socks. (laughs) And so, you know, you either don't know what the theme is, right? When people think of like, oh, I don't know what to get my friend for a gift and I want to go browse and, you know, it's a customer that might be drawn to a specialty store. Um, you wouldn't think of Macy's because Macy's isn't a specialty store. Um, you know, something that's really important to us is still small businesses. Mm-hmm. You know, we had over 107, uh, we had over 100 in uh, our new Herald Square flagship in 70 and across the country. And so there's a lot of like, building awareness also that I think is important that we have to do. Mm -hmm. So what do you see like outside of story? What, anything else you're working on? Like that I can talk about? Yeah. (laughs) Um, Well, I think the market at Macy's is a fascinating model. Can you explain what that is? Sure. So the market at Macy's is retail as a service. Um, It was started a little bit over a year ago. Um, And the idea is that, you know, a business can, pay for space for a month in one of our markets. Um, And uh, we have over a dozen across the country. Uh, There's one in Herald Square. And basically, it's an opportunity for a business to benefit from, you know, the traffic and the brand adjacency of Macy's. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's kind of like they pay us rent, but they keep all the sales. Um, But they also benefit from the exposure and whatnot. And so, you know, We've worked with hundreds and hundreds of different companies across all different categories. We've um, we've done some bigger partnerships. Last year, we did something with Facebook where they sponsored the market over the holidays mm-hmm. and had some of their small businesses participate. Um, so I think it's a it's a really interesting model, and and we definitely you know as we look ahead to twenty twenty. Um, want to grow it and and look at how that brand can also you know further have an identity. Um, so there will probably be newness popping up there in the future, mm-hmm. sometime in the future. It seems like the underpinning, uh, you know, consistency is that it's rethinking ways that retailers like Macy's can work with different types of brands. Um, and so, so how do you sort of think of that relationship? Um, especially, so many brands are going straight direct, but now we're kind of seeing them shift back and, and reconsider right. wholesale and, and, and other traditional retail partnerships um, because it's hard to, to scale a brand on your own. Uh, in that relationship, I think, is still important, but it does have to change a little bit. So how do you kind of think about the future of brand and, and retail partnerships? So I think, um, you know, we always uh, have been obsessive about our vendor partnerships. We handwrite thank you notes. We're like a little crazy about it but I think in a good way and so when we went to go build um build the business at Macy's we wanted to look at you know I grew up in retail and and with my mom's company we were a vendor to large companies Mm -hmm. so you know almost everyone from Costco to 1-800-Flowers to a myriad of different department stores and so I know the pain points as a small business because I lived it right and it's not unique to Macy's it's any big store right be and Frankly, they should have systems that function at scale because there's no way to keep a 600-plus store machine going without all those systems. But but it shouldn't be to the exclusion, exclusion of other opportunities. And so what we did is we um, hired a dedicated – we created a new role. 
a vendor experience manager. Mm -hmm. So if you're uh, one of our brand partners, instead of having to call finance looking for your check or operations to understand shipping guidelines or, you know, the buyer for this, you have one point of contact Mm -hmm. um, to really streamline it. And I think, you know, it's a double win, right? We're creating, you know, how can we use our scale to create impact on small businesses across the country? But the customer wins because it's discovery. It's not the same product that you find in every store. Mm-hmm. You know, the Julie Molo confetti, you know, cosmetic case, uh, you know, isn't many places other than story. Right. And that's just kind of training them to think like, oh, if I keep coming back, right. that experience will be there. Um, and so how do you sort of think about engaging that consistent customer and then bringing in new ones? Yeah, I mean, I think I've never thought in terms of segmentation. And so for better or for worse, I'm just trusting my gut and doing what we did before, because I think if there was any, you know, there's probably a couple of things I'm proud of, but probably the thing I'm most proud of is that, you know, you could be in story and you could have, you know, a middle-aged hedge fund manager next to a 14-year-old girl next to a New York City bus driver next to, you know, this school teacher that drove down from Albany. All walks of life in terms of, you know, income, in terms of profession. Um, So we just want to focus on something that's versatile and engaging. And I know it sounds a little holly-go-lightly, and there's obviously lots Mm -hmm. of layers and strategy behind it. Mm -hmm. Um, But we really just focus on, like, what is a good experience? And so whenever one one story iteration is, is complete, are you already thinking about the next one? Yeah, I or mean, is it we're, even further we're, ahead? We're, <laughs> we're a bit behind, I will say, because we still have uh, lots of people to, to hire. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but so, you know, we have our launch in two weeks and there's a, you know, still creative being done and, and, and fine tuning that's happening. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we're not working as far out as as we want to, mm-hmm. but we will once we're full house. I mean, success to me more than anything is, you know, story happening without me. Right. Right. And so um, building a team and, and having a model that makes sense for Macy's. Right. It shouldn't be what we did on 10th Avenue and 19th Street, because other than the, the name and the fact we change a store like it's completely different processes and it's in a completely different ecosystem. And so, you know, it, it should be something that grows and evolves, not through my eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see. And can you tell us what the next one is? I think we'll I be at good timing. I know, because I think uh, by the time I talk about it, it will be live, even though we can't <laughs> spill spill the beans outside of this room today. Right. <laughs> um, so by the time this is open, the story that will be uh, in all doors is outdoor story. Mm. And uh, it opens July 9th and it runs through the summer. And one of the many things I'm excited about, you know, when we were thinking about it's our second story, like what can we do where we can have great product and customers would be excited, but it's also a slow time of year, you know. Um, And uh, so we thought about Outdoor Story, but we also have some really interesting sponsors since sponsorship is still very much a part of our model. Mm -hmm. So we have Scott's Miracle Grow. Oh, interesting. And we have another retailer who's our sponsor, which is Dick's Sporting Goods. Oh, wow. And so, you know, I'm kind of obsessed with the quote. I don't know who said it. Collaboration's the new competition. Yeah. And I think, you know, when we look at what's the role of sponsorship at Story, 
It's A, to add authority and authenticity to a subject matter. Mm -hmm. So if I were to say, think of 10 outdoor retailers, I don't think Macy's would be in your top 10, right? But I can have more credibility talking about an outdoor story if I have, you know, Dick's on one side is one of my storytellers and, you know, Scott's miracle Grow that's all about being outside, you know, on the other side. And, um, and yeah, so, I mean, it, it's great because it gets Macy's to explore different kinds of, of partnerships um, mm-hmm. on, the, on the business side. But, you know, the customer benefits because we're selling, like, this insane table from, from Miracle Grow called Miracle Grow 12. It goes inside your house and you can grow vegetables. Mm-hmm. So it's a side table, like, for your living room. Um, and you can grow vegetables indoors, which is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I, I didn't know this, Scott has um, some great private label brands, um, Field and Stream and, and Alpine Design. And again, they're not set up as wholesalers, so we get to sell it. Right. So we went in and we curated a mix of their merchandise. And then um, our, you can play cornhole. All stores will have cornhole in it um, and, and lots of different events. So. Cool. With working with Dix, was that, did they contribute some of the, the brands that are going to appear? Like how did, how did, did that work in a different way than a typical brand sponsorship? No, or it really? was, it was just like, um, you know, I obviously first went into our CEO's office and I was like, you know, I was like, uh, do we think Dix is competition? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I think when you look at it, they have like 20% of the same brands, but mm-hmm. it's a very different shopping experience. Right. Destination. And like, you know, to your point earlier about reaching customers in new ways, customers behaving in different ways, like we have to test and learn. Like, you know, my uh, my friend Aaron Dignan, who's a genius, who wrote this book, um, Brave New Work, you know, he always says, is it safe to try? Right. So like, what's the worst thing that can happen? You know, is this safe to dry? try completely, you know? And mm-hmm. in many of these malls, there's a Dick's and a Macy's. So how cool that it can be like, oh, go check out this you know, event over that we're doing here. And, um, you know, it makes it more kind of conversational. Right. Awesome. Well, we're super excited to check that out. Uh, Thank you so much, Rachel, for coming back. I enjoyed it as always um, and really appreciate the time. Thanks for having me. We hope you enjoyed the episode. A special thanks to Gianna Cappadona, the producer of this podcast. As a thank you for listening, we're passing along a limited time introductory offer on a three-month subscription to Glossy Plus. Glossy Plus members access unlimited stories, exclusive research, and more. Join today for just $49. That's $80 off by entering the code intro at checkout at glossy.co slash subscribe. And as always, be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and Anchor FM and leave us any feedback you have.